Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 193 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Chris Franz Schof. Chris lives in Columbus, Ohio, and she is in the ministry. She's director of communications and a deaconess for a local church. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Jen. Well, I'm so glad to have you. You know, my college mascot is the Demon Deacons. So, I, you know what? I think I've seen that on some posts that you shared. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I find the, they were part of the, the the Baptist, like it was a Baptist college. And I just have a hard time believing that the Baptists were like, yeah, let's name our 
our deacon, demon deacon. That just seems a little odd, but okay. It is. A, it's a bit of an oxymoron how <laughs> yeah. they came up with that name. I'm not really sure what it means. I'm yeah. not sure either, but it's, it doesn't seem very Baptist. But anyway, we're the demon deacons. It's weird. Um, well, I'm glad to have you here today. You know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Absolutely. So I learned about intermittent fasting in the end of June 2019. And it was because a girlfriend of mine, we were out to dinner with some friends and she had shared that her doctor had uh, recently told her about intermittent fasting, about the obesity code and your book as well. I always am just flabbergasted by that. I know. So she told me about those two books and then the Michael Mosley documentary. Mm -hmm. So I came straight home that night, watched the documentary because I could get access to that right away. And she had a copy of your book that she loaned to me and brought it over to me within a couple of days. And I ordered the obesity code. I think I devoured your book in less than two days. And it was maybe three to five days later, I was doing it. And I was, um, so I, I count my start date as July 1st, 2019. Love it. So you've been you've been doing it since since July first, twenty nineteen. How did how did you um, get started when you first started? You just jump right in. What did you do? I did well. I think I was going to try the five two approach from Michael's documentary, but I discovered very quickly that I didn't like sticking to under five hundred calories a day, and so I started with a sixteen eight approach. And I started off clean fasting because that's what you talked about. Yeah. And so I hear stories, you know, people when they start and they are putting a little bit of creamer in their coffee or they're doing the bullet coffees and how they struggled. And I'm so thankful that I never started that way. It was a little bit of a challenge, you know, maybe the first couple of weeks because I was very addicted to my creamer and right. my sugar-free sweetener. And I was like, everyone else, I will never be able to cut this out. But I did. I went cold turkey. I might've had some headaches, you know, in the first couple of days, first week or two. And then a lot of it was just that mental, like, oh, I need to eat breakfast. No, I really wasn't hungry and I didn't. So once I got over that, it, I would say within two to three weeks, I fell into a really good rhythm of the 16-8. The biggest, another big challenge was I enjoyed having lunch with colleagues and friends. That was kind of like a special thing for me. So I did have to kind of tweak that a little bit because I preferred to maybe push it off to around one to eat or two to eat. And a lot of times we would eat at noon, but it was, it was a pretty smooth start. And in my mind, for some reason, I don't know why it just clicked that this was going to work. And I was going to probably do this for the rest of my life. And even now my husband or people might ask, are you still doing intermittent fasting? And my husband will be like, I don't see her not doing it. Right. Like, yeah. Like that's just a part. Of, and even he understands like, this is just a part of my life. It's just, I don't know. It's just what I do now. And like, you would never want to stop because it feels so good. Absolutely. And it just means I drink my coffee black, which is totally fine. And I'm not a big breakfast person. I never really was come mm-hmm. to find out. I think it was just that mentality and being told, you know, I was born in the early seventies that breakfast is the most important meal of the day and you got to eat something right away. And I always kind of put it off. A lot of times I would take something to work with me and then have it, you know, once work was starting, but then I would always be starving by lunchtime. Right. And once I cut that out, I was like, wow, I can really go till 12 or one and I'm just fine. You know, it's funny. I actually realized that as a kid, like as a kid, I realized if I ate something, I was hungrier than if I hadn't eaten. But even realizing that, I mean, I still wasn't skipping breakfast, which is like kind of weird when you think about it. Like my body told me. 
Yeah, it never clicked for me. And I think it was probably on one of your podcasts. I know it was definitely after I started intermittent fasting. I finally had the epiphany of, I, I live far away from family. So the right. closest family is at least four hours away. So we're constantly traveling. And I uh, would take longer trips with my families. And I always thought in order to stay awake in the car, I needed to eat. Yeah. And once I started intermittent fasting, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting tired from driving because I am eating. And it was just like this huge light bulb moment. I'm like, for the simple fact of that, I wished I would have known years ago. I would take these long car trips, especially with just my kids. So I was the only one driving and I would be so tired. I'd be like, I have to pull over. I'm so tired. Yeah. And it was because I was snacking. Me too. The whole time, like the first thing we would do is stop crap from the gas station. That's what we called it. And I just let them, you know, they would get, one of them would get those lemon head candies and I can't remember what Cal would get. And I would always get like Doritos and combos and a Coke. Right. Right. And pack your snacks and you would have to have like this whole little bag of snacks for you and the kids. And maybe they needed it, but I certainly didn't need it. And once I gave that up, car rides are so much easier now. Yeah. And then we would stop. We would usually eat at like Cracker Barrel or something because that was like a special place to go on the interstate. So we would have our junk food while we were driving and then we would stop and have a big lunch. I mean, it sounds nuts. I can't even believe we made it. (laughs) Right. And really you needed a nap, not to get in the car and drive. Yeah. Yeah. Then I would get there and I'd be exhausted, but it's so much easier to drive in the fasted state. You just get your coffee. Then um, later as it's gets to be past noon, you just start drinking water. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worst part is bathroom breaks, but well, I always drink those before too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. So um, yeah. did you have a lot of weight to lose? Tell us a little bit about, you know, about that, about your diet history. Sure. Sure. So I am 5'10", and I would say most people would probably describe me as pretty slender. I was definitely um, always thin growing up, always kind of lanky. I grew into my height, uh, gosh, by the end of middle school and um, was always pretty thin. But then in those typical seasons of life that you kind of put on a little extra weight, so like the freshman 15 when you get to college, Oh yeah. after you get married and sometimes after... um, children, although I was pretty lucky in that area. So when I started this time for with intermittent fasting, I was probably around 180. Okay. Which, so go, stepping back a little bit. So I have lived most of my adult life probably in the low 160s. So for 510, that's pretty good. Right. And, um, and so going back to college, I went to college, I gained that first 10 or 15 pounds. And at that time, because our, I was young and our metabolism is really great. I just started working out yep. at the gym at our university and I started eating a little bit better. And when I say eating a little bit better, I remember one of the things I would eat because I thought this was healthy is I would eat plain spaghetti with butter and garlic. <laughs> and that, my mind was like a, like a diet meal or something. We didn't know. Well, that's, that's so funny. I, I think about your rice diet. Yes. I remember I was in college and I was working as a waitress and I had no idea and that we were having a meeting of like all the wait staff and the manager was like, now if someone comes and they're like, what should I get? That's a little healthier. What would you recommend? And he asked me and I'm like, I don't know, chicken Alfredo with broccoli. (laughs) I was probably like 19 years old. And he's like, um, no, 
And I'm like, I don't know, chicken, broccoli, it sounds super healthy. Wrong. It sounds good, but Alfredo sauce. <laughs> yeah, and the pasta. Yeah. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so when I was, you know, sophomore, junior in college, I quickly lost the 10 pounds or whatever that I had gained. And then I got married at age almost 23. And after I got married, I gained a little bit of weight, which is fine. I was happy. Things were great. And at the time, my new sister-in-law was doing Weight Watchers. So I started to go with Weight Watchers or two Weight Watchers with her. And that was my first introduction in the program. And it worked. It really did. In hindsight, um, I look back and I was probably like 172 when I went in. I am probably in eight weeks, I um, achieved lifetime status, which I feel really bad now knowing the right. program and how hard some people really work to get that. But I got the lifetime status pretty quickly and got back down to the low 160s, right around 160 and started just, that was my new normal. Mm-hmm. The other thing too about college is when I started working out, that kind of introduced me to this, I'd say moderately healthy exercise life as far as I exercised mostly, mostly on in my adulthood. And I just kind of took that into post-college with me. So I was either walking. I remember I had the step Reebok system oh, yeah. at home and the yes. videotape. I loved and step I aerobics. That on. Yep. I yep. did. Yeah. I had the little steps and I would put it on in my bedroom. We had a little, little TV and I would do the step aerobics and yep, stuff. So I, I had was that always too. doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through most of life like I said, most people would probably describe me as slender. I'm 5'10". I was in the low 160s. I got pregnant with my first child at around age 28. And I had her at 29. And I gained probably 40, 45 pounds. I never quite hit 200. But I definitely took full advantage of being pregnant. It took us a while to get pregnant. So I enjoyed every moment of it. And after I had her, at the time, I was working for a large company in central Illinois, and they had Weight Watchers at lunch. So since I was already a lifetime member, I went ahead and took advantage of that. And I think the combination of doing Weight Watchers, and then I was one of those lucky people who was breastfeeding and lost the Mm -hmm. weight pretty easily. I know that doesn't work out for everybody, but after I had her probably within less than six months, I lost all the weight. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. 
Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. And then I got pregnant shortly thereafter with my second child, also did the Weight Watchers at lunch, lost the weight pretty quickly, and again, was in my 30s living, you know, no complaints with my weight. Everything was pretty, pretty normal. So you were just, you know, cruising around. You didn't have to work that hard. You just were moderately exercising just enough and you enjoyed it. You know, you weren't like exercising like to lose weight, you're exercising because you it's good for you. Right. right. But there was always a little bit of that mentality in the back of my mind, probably from the Weight Watchers, probably just from this time of growing up where like, you know, just that diet mentality right. and that we're women and that it's always kind of on our mind. I would probably choose chicken over, I yeah. would choose beef, I would choose a salad over a thick crust pizza. But again, I would work out, um, I would ebb and flow a little bit, but I pretty, I say pretty steady and pretty consistent with my weight and my size and everything was going fine. And then we live in central Ohio and in 2012, towards the very end of 2012, we moved down to Southern Indiana. We were just across the river from Louisville and they call that part of the state Kentuckyana because we were like a suburb of Louisville, but we were on the Indiana side. And at that time in life, I actually became very ill. I was um, mentally unwell and I Mm -hmm. was dealing with a lot of stuff and I lost all of my appetite. I wasn't eating and I lost a tremendous amount of weight and it wasn't intentional. Um, I was actually diagnosed with severe major depression. So I got help. I, I saw a doctor. I was actually hospitalized for a short period of time. And again, I was losing weight, wasn't what I was trying to do, but it was because I wasn't eating. I just, I had zero appetite and I wasn't eating. So thankfully with the help of doctors and medication and therapists and all the things that you need to do, I started to feel better. And it was right around that time too, we made the decision to move back to central Ohio. And that was also part of the, um, what I was going through in my family. We just weren't adjusting very well down there. So we moved back to central Ohio in 2014, I think it was May of 2014. And I started to gain, I was starting to gain the weight back that I had lost, which was okay. So you needed to, right? I did. I really did need to. So I was kind of getting back to what I would call my fighting weight, you know, back into the low 160s and then like five or 10 more pounds. I'm like, okay, well, the alternative being mentally unwell right. or having this extra 10 or 15 pounds, I would rather carry around an extra 10 pounds. But then that kind of slowly crept up to 15 or 20 and then 20, 25. Now I am in my early forties and I am at a weight 
that I've never been at except for the two times I was pregnant. Right. And I'm I'm slowly creeping up. So I'm like 170, 175, 180. So I go back to what I know and that's Weight Watchers. Right. And I think the first time I went back to Weight Watchers, I'm guessing it was around 2015, 2016. I'm not sure of the date. I think my first weigh in, I was like at 190. And I've never, except for the two times I was pregnant, those are the only two times I'd ever gotten that close. So I did Weight Watchers and it worked and it didn't. Like it felt like it was much more of a struggle this time around. Um, had they changed the program at all? Was it the same program oh, sure. you had done? No, I know, they, I'm sure they had. That's something ahead. people t- often will say. They're like, well, I did Weight Watchers and this period it worked and this period it didn't because they kept changing their plan and what they recommended. And here there was this plan and that plan. And I, th- I think a lot of yeah, people they, struggled with that. Yeah, they definitely would have changed the plan because that would have been 20 years, oh, yeah. 25 years, like mm-hmm. easily 20 years after the fact. So they had changed the plan. And again, I was mostly doing the same things that I had always done. I hadn't really drastically changed my eating habits. I was still choosing chicken or still choosing what I thought were the lighter menu options. But the difference was I was now in my 40s. Yeah. I wasn't in my 20s or my 30s. And it just wasn't coming off quite as easily. So I maybe lost, like I said, I was at 190. I maybe lost 20, 25 pounds, kind of got back down into the high 160s. And then I just kind of yo-yoed yeah. for the next few years. And um, that's kind of where I was at when my friend mentioned intermittent fasting in the summer of 2019. Okay. So you just had been really just fighting the battle of the yo-yo and it wasn't a giant yo-yo. It wasn't like a hundred pounds overweight, but it was enough that you didn't feel good in your body. Right. And I was, you know, I was normally wearing a size 12, sometimes a size 10, but I wore a size 12. And then all of a sudden I was creeping up to a size 14 and probably could have been in a 16, but I was kind of fighting that. Right. And it was like, I just didn't feel good. I felt really bloated, um, all the time. And like I said, I was always, I think, just constantly looking for it. And I think really at the end of the day, I was just my age. I was just to that stage in life yeah. where it wasn't going to be as easy for me as it was when I was younger. That's true. And there, there's some research that shows that as we get older, we don't need to eat as much food. I know everybody listening is, is probably like, what? That's not fair. But <laughs> I know it's true. We, we really don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was drinking a lot more right. wine at this mm-hmm. time, at the season of my life. I drank a lot more, I think, as my kids got older. Because when I was, you know, when they were young, that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> having to, you know, so I was drinking a lot more alcohol. And um, it was just catching up with me in my 40s like it hadn't before. Yeah. So you started intermittent fasting. You went you went to a 16-8. You were around 14-16 when you started. So what happened with your weight when you started intermittent fasting? So like I said, when I started, I think knowing what had happened when I was living in Southern Indiana, when I had been unwell in my eating habits, I think in my mind, I was like, I was kind of intermittent fasting, although that's not what I recommended. Right. It was very unhealthy. It was very unintentional. But in my mind, I knew that intermittent fasting would work and that I would feel better. So I wasn't as focused on the scale as some people are. So I didn't weigh myself all the time. I didn't do measurements in the beginning. I kind of wish I would have. But I remember that first month I started, like I said, around July 1st, and we went to California three weeks later. And I would have thought I was a new woman after three weeks. I just felt great. And I look back and I'm like, there was 
hardly any difference whatsoever. Oh, you felt so good. And I felt amazing. I'm like, look at me. I'm like, <laughs> and uh, I think it was just that I was feeling that energy. I yep. was feeling really um, that awareness, that clarity and and your thinking and stuff. So I don't know. I probably lost, you know, four or five pounds in that first month, another three or four or five pounds in the second through fourth month or something. So w when it was all said and done, probably had lost 10, maybe close to 15 pounds in six months. So that's not, those aren't superstar numbers. You know, we would see people on the Facebook group, especially in the advanced group. And it was sometimes tempting to get discouraged because oh, you yeah. see people that, you know, had done it six months and they had lost 40 pounds or right. 50 pounds. Now I didn't have 40 or 50 pounds to lose, which was part of it, but I was slow and steady right. all along. I was slow and steady. And in my mind, I was going to keep doing this. So it really didn't bother me. But then COVID hit in March. So I guess I was, you know, like nine, eight, nine months in. Yeah. And I remember driving home from work. They're like, well, I think we need to go home. So I stopped and picked up a big bag of caramel popcorn <laughs> and some wine. And um, so as we went into COVID and everyone's lives were drastically changing, right. I realized then I needed to kind of tweak things a little bit. So by that time I was probably doing like an 18.6, maybe a 19.5. And that's when I needed to tweak things a little bit and kind of tighten up a little bit. And I started with some alternate day fasting, kind of the mealless Mondays and that helped. And there was also um, some autophagy that I was kind of hoping would happen. And uh, so then things kind of sped up a little bit. And I don't know at what point where I continue to lose. Cause again, I wasn't really tracking. I am better if I don't step on the scale. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I weigh myself very rarely now. And even now I trust it less cause I'm so inconsistent. I'm like, right. I don't even really know. But at some point I got down to the low one fifties, which is kind of where I hover now. So I'd say between okay. 152 and 155. So that's the lowest weight, lowest healthy weight that you've been really in your adult life is hanging around that low 150s. It mm -hmm. is. It is. And I don't like when I look back to when I was sick, right. I looked really sick. Yeah. I don't look sick. I look right. healthy. I look fine. I feel fine. Yeah. That's what we notice with intermittent fasting. Yeah. People, people lose the weight and they look healthy. Whereas I look back at some of the crazy diets that I did back in the day and I looked gaunt and unhealthy, and it just didn't come off of me in a healthy way. Right. Like my skin looks great. It would, yep. but when I was sick before, my skin would look really sh uh, like hollow and kind of like pale. And mm -hmm. I don't think I look like that at all. Yeah. You do not. I can see you. <laughs> the listeners cannot, but I can. So you said something interesting a minute ago. You said you were hoping for some autophagy. So you did some, mm -hmm. some um, slightly longer fast, like the mealless Monday. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I had heard um, some people share that they had had some skin tags that have fallen off and some moles. And I actually have had some of that. Um, I had, and I'll show you, and I know that listeners can't see it, but I had this right here. I had kind of a, um, I used to call it my witch's mole. It was oh. about the size of a pea. <laughs> it was kind of flat, but it was dark and it was kind of in my hairline. So I could kind of hide it with a little bit of makeup. And I don't know, I was probably eight to 10 months in. And I'm like, it's kind of like flaking off. Wow. I'm like, what's going on here? And I had actually gone to the dermatologist several years before and had it removed. It was non-cancerous, thankfully. 
but it came back after oh. about a year. And I'm like, I'm not going to keep going back to the derm- dermatologist. This is silly. So anyways, that was one of the fun things is I've had that, that my witch's mole is gone. And I've had some other skin tags in some other places that have kind of faded away. One of the other really fun ones that I didn't realize until you were interviewing someone and she was talking about mouth sores. Yeah. And I, I remembered, I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't had a mouth sore. I think since I've started this, I used to get them monthly. I would poke myself with a toothbrush. I would, I mean, something random. I'd bite my tongue. I'd do something, bite my cheek. And all of a sudden I would have a sore. And I talked to my dentist about it several times and he was very empathetic and said, I'm sorry, there's just nothing we can do. Right. It's just got to heal in your mouth. Right. (laughs) There's no magical medicine we can give you. There's nothing we can, like, he he, he felt bad because they really were sore and they really hurt. And I had not had one, I think, since I started intermittent fasting, which is crazy. That really is crazy. You know, if we, I often have said this, but if we would like come up with a list of all the crazy benefits people have had and said, this is what will happen. Like we wouldn't even be able to say it because it sounds so crazy. Like your C-section scar will go away and you'll lose your mole. (laughs) No more mouth sores. It's like, yeah, come on, right? (laughs) I'm waiting for the eyesight. I don't think that's going to happen. No, no, I think I've heard heard you also talk about like, that's more for people who have had bad eyesight for years and mine's just the aging. Mine too. And also my weird witch's mole has not gone away. I had to say that I have an eyebrow mole. That's right there on my eyebrow. (laughs) And it like, the hair grows straight out of it. It's lovely. (laughs) And then I have to, of course, have to pluck it because it's got the hair growing straight out. And then it's like a big bald spot in my eyebrow. So yeah, my witch's mole did not go away. So I'm envious of yours. Darn it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, you talked about some of the, some of the great health benefits. Have you had any other health benefits that you can put your finger on? Absolutely. So probably a year prior to starting intermittent fasting, I was told that I was pre-diabetic and I was sent to the endocrinologist for the whole workup. And it was like all this blood work and all these different tests. And I remember it just took a couple hours to do all that. And I remember thinking, I'm not coming back until I'm diabetic. Like I'm not, they wanted me to come every six months to get tested. (laughs) Like (laughs) I was, I was like, I'm not coming back until I'm actually diabetic. So anyways, I am no longer in that range of being pre-diabetic. Isn't that that funny to think about though? You're like, yeah, I'm not going to bother with that. I'm just going to let it happen. (laughs) Right. I know. I know that was so ignorant, but, um, or naive of me, I guess. We don't understand. We, you know, it was prior to uh, you understanding and you know, I didn't understand how all that worked till I read the obesity code, Jason Fung. Right. We didn't right. know that you could stop that or, I mean, I'd really and reverse the, it. Yeah. And reverse it. It was just like, well, it's progressive. Right. It'll happen. I'll just wait till it happens. Then I'll come back and right. they'll put me on meds. That'll, that'll be the time mm-hmm. other till then I'm not going to fool with it, but yeah, we can reverse it. And I think they wanted me to start metformin at the time. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to, I actually also have PCOS. So mm-hmm. I know enough about that to know that I didn't want to start it. Right. So I think there was a little bit of denial for me too. Like if I don't go back, I don't have to acknowledge this is potentially a problem. And therefore I can just kind of like pretend like it's not going on. It's like, la, la, la. I don't see it. It's not happening. Mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't know it's happening, then it isn't really happening. Right. If no one tells me or if I don't know, then I don't have it. Exactly. So your PCOS, how's that gone? That's, it's fine. I'm at the age now where the symptoms don't really affect me. It caused my infertility, which is why it took us over five years to have children. 
um, it would have been interesting had I known all this and started all this in right. my early twenties, if that Absolutely. would have changed all that, but mm-hmm. uh, hindsight's 2020. I also have androgenic alopecia as one of the side effects of the, uh, PCOS. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if I would have started intermittent fasting years ago, if that would have affected that. There's no, at this point in time, there's no reason for me to dwell on that. Right. I just kind of move on with that. But, um, so the PCOS is what it is. It doesn't bother me too much. I definitely think, um, I know that intermittent fasting helps the symptoms and I'm still menstruating at this point. So we'll know what, we'll see what comes with menopause or yeah. menopause. Well, that's good because, you know, PCOS, probably most listeners have heard us talk about this before, that it's related to high levels of insulin. People Mm -hmm. who have PCOS generally have high levels of insulin. So bringing down the insulin really helps with the PCOS. Um, Dr. Cecily Ganhart, remember, you heard the interview Mm -hmm. I did with her. It was a long time ago, probably, gosh, 27, wait. No, 2018. I was like, when did I start this podcast? Probably 2018 I talked to her. And, you know, she says that intermittent fasting is what she uses with her PCOS patients who are struggling with fertility. Yeah. And I know some people have been retested for it. It's kind Mm -hmm. of difficult to test. I mean, I could ask for an ultrasound to see, but at this point, there's no purpose. There's no no reason. reason. It's not going to change anything I'm doing. It's not going to affect me trying to have any more children or anything. So I'm sure that... um, that all those symptoms are much better because of the intermittent fasting. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, we would have people in the, the Facebook groups back in the day that would be like, I'm PCOS. I started intermittent fasting. I was told I would have a lot of trouble conceiving and I have to quit intermittent fasting because I'm pregnant. <laughs> those were my favorite posts. Yeah, those are wonderful posts. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything you struggle with? Um, I'm in maintenance and I've been in maintenance for a while. I, well, I, I, again, I don't even know what maintenance is but I know. because I'm just, this is just what I'm going to live. So, right. you know, every once in a while I find that my windows are getting a little bit long or window creep. I'm, yeah. That window creep, but I don't, I'm not really strict about it now. I would say I am minimum 16, eight, normally around an 18, six. I eat two kind of meals a day. I don't stress out too much. The one thing that has been interesting, um, which hasn't been a struggle, but it's as I was rounding on like a year, year and a half of intermittent fasting, I really started to become interested in hormones and mm-hmm. women's hormones and menopause and perimenopause and all that. And my eating has cleaned up quite a bit and it didn't happen overnight. So it wasn't like I started intermittent fasting. It's like, Oh, I have to clean up my eating. I right. ate all the same things when I start. I mean, I ate junk, not junk, but I ate what I normally ate. Right. And then over time learning that women need, we need a lot more protein than we're getting in. So I started, you know, focusing more on protein and more nutrient dense foods. Right. Plus if you're only eating a meal or two a day, I want it to be good food. Like I really don't want it to be junky, like McDonald's or anything like that. So my eating did clean up probably about a year or so ago. And I mostly cleanish. Cleanish, you know, no. I love yeah, that. Right? I, know. I, know. <laughs> I know. I can't wait for your new book to come out. By um, the time this I, episode is out, it will be out. I'm so excited. Yes, I know. It's exciting. Yes. Because it's January 20. January 4th. January 4th okay. of 2022. Yeah. So that will be passed by the, we're recording this in November. And in fact, we're recording this a week before I go and record the audiobook. I'm going to record the audiobook next week, which is a lot. So I'm nervous yes, about that. So <laughs> it'll be like 
hindsight by the time this video absolutely about, yeah. yeah like childbirth you're like yeah that was worth it when it's over <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so same kind of again. experience yeah so you're you're yeah. cleanish you would define the way you eat as cleanish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes you focus absolutely. on nutrients yeah but like everything you have to kind of do some resets every now and then kind of mental resets uh, we're at the time of the year where the days are getting shorter right? and much, much colder up here in Ohio and comfort foods are sounding good and yep. things like that. So that kind of like mental reset, I have to kind of keep in check once in a while. But for the most part, I don't really feel like I struggle with anything. It's just my new way of life and right. I'm in a happy rhythm and it hasn't impacted I don't feel like there's nothing I can't do because I intermittent fast. I will have breakfast if the occasion calls for it, if I have an opportunity, but otherwise I just feel like it's a normal part of my life now. Yeah. So you just live it. That's the thing. Same with me. It's, it's not a struggle. It just is what we do. Right. Like brushing my teeth is not a struggle because I just do that every day. (laughs) It just becomes so easy. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. There's still so many misconceptions about intermittent fasting out there. Just today, I was on Instagram and someone had tagged me in a comment and it was it made me so sad. And I do not engage with strangers on Instagram because mm-hmm. I got more to do in my life than argue with strangers, right? But it was right. so sad to me. It was um, a post about intermittent fasting is just a cover for an eating disorder. And so everyone who's doing intermittent fasting has got an eating disorder and it's not normal and no one should do it. And then someone tagged me in there and I'm like, I'm not going to wade into this because... You know, it made me so very sad. It does. Um, but you're right. And I've seen that too. And I don't engage. I just mm-hmm. kind of like whatever, move along. I don't think we were created. Whatever you believe, if you believe in, um, you know, how we started as humans, I don't think we were created to graze and eat all day. And you don't have yeah. to look that far back. However, we are getting to like the generations coming up behind us aren't going to know things any differently. Right. That's like true. They were, they were raised with snacks at school. We didn't have yeah. snacks at school. We did at not have no. snacks at school. We did not. These no. kids have snack time like all the time. Yeah. Right. It's, it's snack bizarre. Meant you were having a, a party and you had like right. two or three parties a year. It wasn't, you know, or someone might bring in something for birthdays or something, but you didn't have the snacks at school. Mm-hmm. We didn't have we didn't go through drive through. I mean, it was a special treat right. to go through a drive through and I'm embarrassed to say, but I raised my kids and we went through drive throughs all the yeah. time. We would have like and fries so- under the car seats all the time. They were mm-hmm. always there because yep. we would always be having the fries yeah. in the car. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I think like when people say that, I think they just don't really know that like, this is not how it's always been. Right. And, and like, even looking at the drinks, like Starbucks and the, all the energy drinks and all mm-hmm. those drinks out there that are like these desserts in a can, desserts yeah. in a cup. We did not have any of that. So I just don't think we were created to graze all day. I think we, you know, our ancestors, they got up. If, if they ate breakfast, they might have some black coffee to get their day going, but they have a big lunch and a, sometimes a big dinner and then they were done. Right. Yep. And it was real food. It wasn't all this this manufactured food. And so many of the issues have to do with the chemicals that are in the food. Of course, I talk about that in Cleanish, and we didn't even realize necessarily. I mean, some people did, but, you know, the obesogens, the endocrine disruptors, all these different things. And then our bodies just are like, we don't know what to do with all this. Like, like a, you eat a Dorito and your body's like, I don't even know what this is. 
<laughs> right. But I and looked whole, and said, send down another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that there are chemists out there and people creating food with that bliss point so that you want more. I mean, that, that gets really frustrating. I try not to go too far down that track, but I can get in some rabbit holes and I get really frustrated with just our government and the lobbyist and um, the people backing the food industry and how on earth is Coca-Cola a sponsor of the, you know, American Diabetes Association, which, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like that just because you can mind. drink a diet Coke. Duh. Right. And now right. we know that that's not the answer. That doesn't make anything worse. I mean, any better, that doesn't make anything better. It makes things worse in our bodies. You know, I was having a conversation with a family member um, over the summer and she was talking about her kids and her kids, they just want to eat the processed food. And she was like, what do I do? They won't eat anything else. I'm like, you just got to break that cycle. It, it won't get easier. You just got to do it now. Of course, I like to think, you know, if I'd have done that, if I'd have brought in all these veggies, my kids would have also rebelled. It's easier said than mm-hmm. done, right? It is hard. And I have a 19 year old who's in her second year of college. And then I have a 17 year old who's still at home and I'm trying to make small changes. And I feel like I'm right. undoing a lot of the groundwork that I yeah. laid. Oh, totally. With. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I would like to go I'm back like in time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's really late, but I guess it's better late than never. And even if it's only a year or two of me changing a few things, that's better than nothing. Right. When yeah. I started cooking dinner at home, that made such a huge difference. It Will was still at home. Cal was off at college. So poor Cal, he never got, <laughs> he never got, you know, the home cooked dinners every night where we sat as a family. He was already gone because he graduated from high school in um, 2015, which was right when I was, you know, at the beginning of my diet journey and I hadn't changed what I was eating yet. So it was over the the few years that he was in college that I really started changing what I was eating, what I was feeding the family. So Will got to have that, you know, for a while. But (sighs) I would just so like to go back. I know. Just give me like five years. Let's go five years back just to change some of those habits. So our kids were about the same age then when we started this journey because I started in summer of 2019 and then my daughter graduated in 2020 and moved away. And then it was like after she was gone, I started really like, once I got that first year, year and a half under my belt and was kind of more in that maintenance phase, that's when I started focusing on the food. And honestly, it was also just listening to, you know, I think you had Bet Lucas on. So I listened yes. to your interview with her and then she has her own podcast, which I started listening to her interviews and she introduced me to Cynthia Thurlow. I love Cynthia Thurlow. I do. And then, um, Dr. Mindy Pels, I think Cynthia had an interview, Dr. Mindy Pels. And so it was just like this, train of all these different great people, these doctors, these researchers, these people out there um, sharing really great information that I just started making these slow changes over time. And that's the whole, the whole, really the goal, you know, because Mm -hmm. I talk about in cleanish and I talk about in fast feast repeat and really in all my books, you can't change everything all at once. You know, you just really can't. And that's why, you know, like when you're doing the 28 day fast start, for example, I don't want you to start day one, also change everything you're eating. Also, I mean, you just, you can't because that's not sustainable. You have to make slow changes when you're ready and, and it will feel right later and, and lose the guilt because we're so, so great at feeling the guilt. Like, oh, I ate a cookie, you know, that's Mm -hmm. okay. You can have a cookie Mm -hmm. forever. It's okay to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, you start making the changes and, um, and it really is life changing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And just one of my favorite Lewis quotes is, or I'm sorry, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes is day by day, nothing changes. And all of a sudden you look back, everything's different. Oh, I love that. I love C.S. Lewis. He's a brilliant brilliant man. Yes. Yes. And I think about that in so many areas of my life, but especially with intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. like I didn't see drastic changes right away. But when I look back over like the first six months and I look back, I'm like, oh, wow. A yeah. lot has changed. And then I look back over 12 months and now coming up on two and a half years. Wow. And I never, like, I just couldn't have imagined. And I'm glad that I didn't try to have it all figured out yeah. right away. And I, I really would encourage everyone to have the same attitude that you've had. You're just doing it and you're tweaking as you go. and But you want to enjoy it. You want to enjoy the process and you're not going to freak out. Like some people, like you, you and I, we're not great on the scale. But just today, someone in the in the community posted. She's like, "Help! I'm on a plateau. I'm on the same weight for two weeks in a row." I'm like, "It's okay. That's not a plateau. It's okay. Your weight will do that. You might a plateau. You might stay that way for a few weeks. Your body's just regrouping. You might, yeah. And and especially over the holidays, because we're right here in November. We're about to go over the holidays." You know, mm-hmm. I've never been great at losing weight over the holidays. I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> very many people who have. Even, you know, back in, um, you know, I'm more of a maintainer mm-hmm. over the holidays. Well, the, the scale might plateau, but some body recomposition might be happening. <laughs> Absolutely. And you could actually end up, I mean, I, I was always amazed. My favorite post um, are the photos to see where you look at somebody and I'm like, wow, that's a drastic change. And it's like 12 pounds. Right. And you're just like, your mind is blown. You look at that. And yeah. You're like, How is that possible? But it's, there was I one. It. it was a famous one. I think I have it saved still, probably somewhere in my photos. It was someone in the group. This is from years ago. She posted. Did you see it? She posted. It was a one pound difference. Did you ever see that one? I, might I mean, have, it was I like astonishing. That were like that. Yeah. And I mean, she posted it, and I was like, "Can I save these photos?" And because it looks like like fake and unbelievable. But I mean, she would have no reason to lie when she posted it, right? But she's like, here's my before, here's my after. I lost one pound between these pictures. Her body changed completely. It was astonishing. And Sherry, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, Sherry has a, a set of photos that she did of her showing how you can see a picture of her from her Weight Watchers days and then a picture of her now. And she actually weighs more now or the second picture she weighed more, but she was slimmer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. 
Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Right. I believe it. I absolutely believe it because when I lost the weight when I was living out of state, I think I got down to like the high 150s. Um, But, you know, like looking at... You lost Anyways, muscle mass sorry. too, I yeah. bet, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. But but your body just looked completely different mm-hmm. versus right. now you've yeah. retained your muscle and you've got a lean, healthy with muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a smaller size. Actually, I think I know where I was going. I'm a smaller size now than I was when I lost all that weight before, which so I'm down to like a size eight or a 10 from starting out probably around a 12 or 14. And I think I'm one of those people too, that my numbers don't actually, they don't seem that exciting. I've lost maybe 25 pounds. Okay. Like that's great. That is great. And that's something proud of it, but not compared to some people that have lost like massive amounts of weight, but I've gone down a couple sizes and I think I look completely different. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we tend to like Say our achievements are not that great because they compare to someone's who were larger, but that doesn't mean your achievements aren't great. You know, because besides just, you know, you're at a healthy weight, you don't worry about food, you're not stressed out about it. So you've got those emotional components to celebrate, but your body is different and you just feel happy in your body and you're not, you know, quote, dieting. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like you talked several times that you used to like eat chicken and salads and and now I bet you choose very differently. Absolutely. Yeah. I almost always choose beef. I love beef. I really do love steak and, and hamburgers and things like that. Yeah. Me too. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Do you remember what you were, you were going with that? Yeah. So one of the other things as I've started to kind of focus more on the health aspect and women's health in particular, when you look at where you're at in your cycle and when, especially when you're still menstruating, that has been really fascinating. And uh, Cynthia Thurlow has kind of opened me up to that. And uh, Dr. Stephanie Estima is also another great one to follow. Just where you are, there is a um, week of the month in particular where you do crave more foods because your body mm-hmm. is preparing itself in the event that there's a pregnancy there. That's all normal. That's how we have survived all these years. So your body wants to take on these extra calories. And so I give myself a lot more grace nowadays yeah. when I come to that week, I'm like, okay, maybe my fasting window is going to be 14 hours and I'm going to eat some carbs and that's okay. I never would have done that in the past. I and love it. Yeah. And working out is harder that week. You should probably Mm -hmm. do more of the walks and the yoga. And then you have another week of the month where you can do extra heavy weights. You can do longer fast. You can really like bring in lots of protein and it's all very natural rhythm. And it all makes a lot of sense once you start to understand it. And so now I feel like I lean into that more versus being strict and saying, okay, I have to do 18, six every single day. If my body needs to eat, we'll eat. And that's okay. I love that. I have seen mm-hmm. so many women over the years beat themselves up for, for just what you're saying. They're like, I don't know. Something's wrong. I can't stop eating. What's wrong with me? And we'll say, like, is it your cycle? And they'll be like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, I was the same person when I was um, 
you know, losing weight and being more strict with my window, I would have a really hungry day. And every time, every time I would be like, why am I so hungry today? And then the next day I'd be like, oh, every month it shocked and surprised me. I don't know right. why it took me right. so and long. Why, I wished we taught that to women yeah. and girls earlier um, yeah. than I'm just now finding out about it because I know what's around the corner. Yeah. Hormonal hunger is real and it is biological. And one thing that we've learned is it is really hard to fight the biology of your body. You have to work with your body. Mm -hmm. And really, as we learn to listen, like you have really Mm -hmm. tuned in, you've learned to listen and you realized your body was sending you those signals, giving you those messages all along. Right. Right. But we just didn't know what we were listening for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just had Cynthia Thurlow on. Um, By the time this episode comes out, it'll have been just a few weeks ago, but her new book is coming out about intermittent fasting for women. Yeah. So she's great. I'm actually going to meet her face to face in a couple of weeks. We're going to be in Tampa at the same time. So very excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't met face to face, but yeah, she's a great resource. And um so she's she's actually been on the podcast twice now. Mm-hmm. The one hasn't come. Well, by the time this comes out, it will have come out. So listeners will have just heard that. But yeah, she's she's just a great person. So do you tell others about intermittent fasting in your life or do you keep it to yourself? I do. So initially, though, I was kind of cautious to say something. I think um, because Dr. Fung, doesn't he recommend, if I'm not mistaken, not telling people initially. I don't I know if he recommends that or not. Somebody made a meme. You're, you're thinking of that meme. The first rule of Fast Club is not to talk about Fast Club or something. And they made that meme on his face. So it looked like he was saying it. So I don't know if he's ever said it or if it was just that meme. And it actually always got on my nerves. <laughs> I hate yeah, that meme. I don't know. I felt like I read it. I don't remember the Maybe, meme. Maybe. I don't know. To answer your question... In the beginning, I didn't tell a lot of people because I wasn't prepared. If people are like, oh, you're just starving yourself. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And I didn't know how to respond to that. So I didn't tell a lot of people. Um, But then, so what I do is around my one-year anniversary. So I did this my one-year and my two-year. So I guess your IF-aversary. Right. I will usually post something on my personal page and just kind of really focus on the highlights of health that I... I came for the weight loss, but I'm absolutely sticking around for the health benefits. And these are the, and I kind of highlight my non-scale victories that I'm no longer pre-diabetic, that I no longer have plantar fasciitis, which I had really, really badly. And all that pain is completely gone. And then I'll get people that will reach out to me. And I also say, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I recommend your book, Dr. Fung's books, um, and your books now. And I always get a few people that reach out to me. And most recently I had, um, a person that my husband went to high school with that we had kind of connected as adults. And she reached out to me and we had a nice conversation and she was, she's been doing great. So I enjoy that. So I do enjoy sharing. I don't, but I, you know, I just think I'm living my life. So it's not something I think about like every day, like, Oh, I'm intermittent fasting. I got to go tell somebody about it. It's just who I am and the life I'm living. Yep, exactly. Like right now, you know, we're recording this. We're Eastern time. It's almost noon. I don't even think about food till the afternoon. Like it's not hard. I'm not like, oh, I can eat, but I can't, I can't eat now. It's not time. I just don't even want to. It just, yeah, it hasn't crossed my mind yet today. 
Yeah. And then later, it'll you know, after I've done the work for the day that I, I'm recording with Melanie this afternoon at three, we'll record. Then when that's done, I'll be like, all right, my work is done. It's time to open my window. But you'll probably open your window with lunch. Is that you usually eat around? Um, I usually open it anywhere between one and three. It just kind of depends. So most days I work, I work a Sunday through Thursday work schedule. So when I'm in the office Monday through Thursday, I'll usually sometime, like I said, between one and two, maybe three, I'll open with a, either a small lunch or a heavy snack, like a substantial snack. And then I'll have dinner with my family sometime between six, six 30. And we're almost usually wrapping up by seven, seven 30. And then I do have longer windows on the weekends. We enjoy going out to dinner. Um, and I do enjoy having lunch and then Sunday is always a good day for me to hit the reset button. So I like to be done eating. So it's kind of funny because my husband, he loves football, um, NFL football. And every Sunday he likes to stop and get this really deep dish pizza on his way home from church. So he's got that as football starts in the afternoon and sometimes I'll eat that with him, but he's not ready for dinner until yeah. later because he's had this really heavy pizza. And so I don't want to eat dinner that late on Sunday. So I'm like, and you're never ready when I'm ready. So Sundays are my day off from cooking. Right. <laughs> I don't have to come up to it with an, ag- with an agreement. So I'm usually done by four or five on Sundays. And I'm like, okay, let's hit the reset button. And it's mm-hmm. not a punishment for what I've done. It's just like, let's reset and start the week yeah. fresh. Well, and you also, you switch it up from day to day. You know, I think that's a good thing. You know, some days you have longer windows that go a little later. Some days you have shorter windows that end a little earlier. And that's just a good balance. And it fits the rhythm of your life. Right, right. And I still do alternate day fast once in a while. One, I make sure I'm in the right week of my cycle. Like I wouldn't try to do it the week right before my cycle starts. And it's just, that's more for, like I said, the autophagy and that internal healing that, um, right. you know, kind of keep the PCOS in check, kind of keep the prediabetes, mm-hmm. things like that in check. Yeah. That makes sense. So you'll throw it in if it's the right time, right week, and if it feels good and then, mm-hmm. but you don't feel like stressed about it. Like you're not trying to actively lose more weight. No, Mm-mm. no. And now that I know my body a little bit better, knowing when is a good week to do ADFs, it's night and day difference. Like I'm like, Love Oh it. my gosh, I can easily go 36, 42, 48 hours. But if I were to try to do it in the week, that's not best. It, I would be white knuckling it the whole time through. Yeah. So again, just letting people know, listen to your body and do not feel bad about the natural biologic changes week to week. That's, that's huge. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We'll have them. I'm always surprised that people are like, why am I hungrier? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, it always surprised me too. But when you start really leaning into your body and what it needs, then then you feel like you're finally a team instead of fighting it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So um, anybody in your family joining you with intermittent fasting? My sister does it. My sister-in-law has played around with a little bit, but yeah. And actually my other sister-in-law. So yeah, I've got a lot of the females in my family that are doing it. Yeah. I love it. It's a great feeling and it makes it easier when you're with your family on a, like on a vacation that they're doing it too. Well, we can share tips and tricks Mm -hmm. and um, help kind of inspire each other, encourage each other if we're struggling a little bit, but. I think I'm mostly past the struggling phase, but um, every once in a while, like I said, I get in a little rut and I need a little encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. I I get that. So we're coming to the end of our time together. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? 
I've heard this one many times before, but I do <laughs> wish I would have taken a couple pictures in the beginning. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was, I just wasn't as focused on that. And I don't know if I had heard that when I started, cause I literally jumped right in like within a couple of days, but what I would tell somebody starting out, if you can in your mind, just know that this is going to be your new way of life and to let go of some of the expectations. Yeah. I love that. I think that will make it so much easier to fall into a nice rhythm. You know, if it means dumping your scale, if it means just letting go of what those ideas in your mind of what, you know, the milestones, like I want to hit 10 pounds by this date or 20 pounds by that day, I think it'll help, you know, the time is going to pass. Yeah. So for example, the next six weeks are going to pass whether I'm doing this or not. So if I go ahead and do this and I don't think about it for the next six weeks, if I can try to put it out of my mind and then just look and see how I feel. And so right now, as we're recording, this won't really apply to people when they hear it in March, but I think about, okay, winter's going to come and go if I do anything about it or not. If I do something and I change a few things and tweak a few things, think of how great I'm going to feel when spring and summer comes. Yeah. So people who are listening today, it's March by the time they're listening and they've got summer coming up. So today is the day. Yeah. Start now and just think of how good you're going to feel June 1st. Just start now. Exactly. You'll feel great by the time summer starts. And you know what? You'll feel even better by the time the next holiday season comes around. Absolutely. That's true. There's just it's yeah. just amazing to know that you can enjoy the holidays and not have to feel guilty or like, oh, January 1st, I have to start my diet. That's gone. That feeling mm-hmm. is gone forever. It's just yes. so exciting. Well, Chris, yes. thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me, Jen. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.